welcome to Revolution. Like Nate said, my name is Nathan. Uh, sometimes we get confused. So if you have complaints, send them to Nate. If you have compliments, send them to Nathan. That's the easiest way to remember that. But hey, welcome to Revolution. It's awesome to be here with you. Every week I come here since I've been here, I'm just blown away by the worship team. Aren't you guys just happy that we have this worship team? They're amazing, right? It's like sometimes they're so good, I just want to get done really quickly so I can stop hearing myself talk and hear them sing again, but we're going to have to do the talk today, so don't get, don't get your hopes too high today. But I'm excited about this series. Let me start with a story. There was a king. We don't know the king's name, but it's kind of a, a, a story that's passed down throughout history. There was a king, and he, he had a kingdom, and he, he was successful, and his people were successful. And he, he got a little upset, though. His people were getting soft. His kingdom was getting soft and, and complacent, and so they're starting to get complained. And so what he, he came up with this plan. He's like, I just need to see where we're at as a nation, where we're at as a people. So he had this plan to put a giant boulder in the middle of the path, and this path was really the only way out of the city and the only way in the city. And so he put this, he had this giant boulder placed in the middle of this path. And what he did was he had it placed there and then he hid in the woods for several hours and he watched as people walked up to this boulder in the middle of the road. It was big, yet big enough that it also could be moved if they had some, some effort. And people would walk up to it. Even though they needed to get to a destination, they would walk up to it and a couple things happened. One, they would just completely turn around. Like, not worth it today, right? They would get to it and they would, they would come up to it, and then they would complain, right? They still wouldn't do anything. They would just complain and turn around. And then there was another group of people who would get to, get to the rock, the boulder, complain, curse the king, still do nothing, and turn around. The king got upset by this, so he left. Well, the stone and boulder stayed on the path for several days until a young poor man, a peasant, walks by, right? A peasant walks by, and he sees this boulder, but he really has to get to the other city. And so he comes up to this boulder. He's like, I have to move this. I have to keep my journey going through this path. So what he does is he grabs some sticks and some other stones, and he works it and makes a little shift, a little ramp, and he moves the boulder out of the way. Underneath the boulder, he finds a, a sack of gold coins from the king, and basically it was enough mo money to change the rest of his life. But the, the, he also wrote a note, and on this note, it said something like this. He says, the obstacle in the path becomes the path. The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget, within every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. I'll say it again. The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Meaning the things that are in the way to getting where we need to go become part of the path. And never forget, within every obstacle, every struggle, every heartache, is an opportunity to improve our condition. And as you think about that and relate this story to your life, as your life is a path and we have time, like Travis said, and we're heading in one direction, there are going to be obstacles. Sometimes there's relational obstacles. Sometimes there's, there's struggles that we make. Sometimes there's mistakes we make. Sometimes there's financial obstacles. But we have these obstacles. And every time we come to this obstacle, it's like a boulder in the middle of the path and we have a choice. Do we move forward? Do we move back? Do we allow this obstacle in our path to set us off our journey? Or does this obstacle become part of the path that we cross and it becomes part of our story? And like I said, all of us, we have a list a mile long of obstacles in our lives. But I want to talk to you about one obstacle today. It's the obstacle of the past. Everybody say past. The past. And what I want to talk about it is I, I've been in ministry for about 10 and a half years. I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of meeting with people. 
And I can tell you almost every single meeting uh, or session that we're talking about, the past ultimately comes up. And for so many of us, the past becomes the obstacle. It becomes the boulder in the middle of our path. It becomes the thing that we need to get past or the thing we can't get past or the thing we don't know how to escape, the thing we don't know how to run from, the thing we don't know how to overcome. And that's what this series is about. This series is called Haunted by the Past. And I, I love this image because it's kind of obvious. It's a little scary. Sometimes our past can look that way. But so many times we let the past be a struggle. We let it be an obstacle. We let it be something that, steps, that stops us from moving forward. So what we're going to do in this series, it's four weeks. It's pretty short. Four weeks. We're going to look at four different accounts of four different people with four different paths. Some of the past is all about failure and the mistakes they've made. Another person's past is decisions that were made for him that, that he didn't ultimately make that became obstacles, but he had to overcome. We're gonna look at someone who had a purpose and stepped out of their purpose and what mistakes it caused. And then we're gonna look at someone who had a total transformation in his life, but they all are gonna have stories of the past. But the series is gonna look at this idea is that failure doesn't have to be fatal. That we're going to have failure. Everybody, everybody in this room has failure. We all have different amount of failures, but we all have failure. And it doesn't have to be fatal. So let's start today with talking about the past a little bit. And here's the reality. We all have a past. As you look at your life, every single one of us came in here today with a past. And the past could be good. It could be bad. We could have a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a little bit of nice, a little bit of, you know, not so nice. Like we, we have a past and our past looks so different and all of us have different stories. And what we're going to look at today is kind of not the good thing of the past. So some of us could take advice from Uncle Rico, like we talked about from Napoleon Dynamite, not to live in, in the glory days. But we're going to look at really today the struggles of our past. Because what often happens when you talk to people about their past and the past that becomes an obstacle, they start thinking about the mistakes and the regrets and the, the shortcomings that they have. And then all of a sudden, a certain emotion comes to mind or a certain word comes to mind, and it's the word regret. How many of you, if you just humor me, how many of you just have a little bit of regret in life? Right? Yeah, we, just, we live with regret. And a lot of times our past brings up that regret. Yeah, I know for me, when I look back at my life, I, I kind of relate to these words. There's no words that I relate to more in all the Bible than these words. In Romans 7, it says this, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Listen, I try to use this as an excuse when I make Whitney mad. Like, hey, I want to do what is good, but I can't. She, she doesn't believe me. But like, I, I want to do what is right. I want to do what is good but I can't carry it out. For I, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Like Whitney's like, yeah, you should hang that in your office. Like that's your catchphrase of your life here. Like I, I know what I want to do. Listen, I, I know good th the good things to do. And I know the not so good things to do. But you know what I do often? I do the very thing I know I shouldn't do. Like I'll be in an argument with somebody and I know I should not say what I'm thinking. And my mind will tell me over and over and over again. You know what I do? I say those things I shouldn't say. Like I know I shouldn't say it. And there's so many things in my life that I know I shouldn't do, but I do anyways. And you keep compiling these on your life year after year after year after year. Eventually you're going to have some regrets and some mistakes. And you look back at your life and you're like, man, Paul, how did you write this verse? It is my life story. It's the soundtrack of my life. We have regrets. And then we get to this idea about our past. It becomes a little, which makes our past so difficult. Here's what it is. Our past doesn't always stay 
in our past. What do I mean by that? I mean, the, the things that happened, the regrets, the pain, the struggles, yeah, they may have happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, but as we live life, those things, those emotions, those feelings, they're coming with us so often. It's almost like this. It's almost like that your, your past is a door that, that you walk through. And you walk through it, but once you walk through it, you can't go back through it. But for some reason, so many times, so we, on the way out of our past, we don't shut the door. We leave the door open. And so I may get farther down the path from my past or from the door, but since the door is open... Those emotions, those pains, those struggles, those regrets, as I go on with life, because I've left the door open, they come with me. It's like, it's like knowing that someone is going to rob your house, and when you leave your house, you don't lock the door, you just leave it wide open and say, come on in, right? It's, it's, so our past is over here, and we think sometimes it stays in the past, but you know what I know, that it doesn't. So you can think of like your life, you're like, man, I've done, done a lot of dumb things, but by far, you know, look through that door. By far, of all the dumb things I've done, that was the dumbest, right? Or you can look at your relationships where you said something and you know you shouldn't have said it. You know in, in your heart, you knew that it was wrong to say, but you said it anyways and the damage that it brought. Or you can look at, you're like, man, I can look at this door. I can see the first time I compromise what I believe. I, I knew I shouldn't. Or I look at that door and I think, this is the first time I was with the wrong people at the wrong time. And I did the wrong things. And if I could just go back to that moment and change it. But you can see it. And even though you can't go change it, as you live life, as you're going on your path, it continues to go with you. Our past doesn't always stay in our past, which makes it difficult, which makes it it's an obstacle. So this series is designed to kind of confront that. And this is the type of series that I, I, I'm, I'm praying that you have, you know, the mindset you have for this series. So many times we have these series and we, we say something good and like, oh, that was really good. I wish so-and-so would have heard it, right? Like, hey, they really need to hear that. And they weren't here. And so many times we're thinking of somebody else. But in this series, I believe the truly work, God truly work in this series in your life is you gotta look within. You can't worry about other people and their stories and their past and who has heard this who, or who hasn't heard this. But what is God saying to me about my past? What, what is God trying to work in my, do in my life right now? Because when we're focused on that and we're looking up and not looking around, we're looking up and say, God, what do you wanna do? What do you wanna do through my past? What do you wanna do through me? I believe after four weeks, you'll see God working in your life. And here's what I also believe. Jesus didn't die on the cross, raised, raised from the dead three days later so we can live in the darkness of our past. That he died so we can step into the newness that he offers us. But so many times our past becomes an obstacle. So as we dive in, here's what I want to look at. I just want us to ask this question. I'm asking about myself. I want you to ask it about yourself. Am I allowing something in my past a regret, a, a mistake, an emotion, a, a circumstance? Am I allowing something in my past to be an obstacle of what God wants to do in my future? Am I allowing something in my past to be an obstacle of what God wants to do in my future? And as I look at my life, because we're looking within, as I look at my life, I look at my life and you know something that I've always had a hard time overcoming was my past. I have this unique life so far in my life. The most difficult things in my life happened before I was 16. 
You know, I'm praying it continues to stay that way, but the hardest things in my life happened before I was 16. And so I look at my past, and so many times there's obstacles of my past. And I've struggled with this, and there was this moment when I was in college, I made this mistake, and it, it, it was the biggest mistake of my life I'd made that moment. It almost ruined everything, and, and I'll, I'll get to that story someday, some other time. But I had an individual come up to me, someone that was older than me, someone who was wiser, he was a dad, he was in his 30s, which at that time I thought was really old, now I realize it wasn't old. But he's like, man, when I grow up, I want to be like him someday. And he told me, he started talking about my past, and he gave me a Bible verse. And back then, it didn't make sense, but it does today. So I want to share the Bible verse with you. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a wisdom book. It's, it's a book you go to to find wisdom. And it says, there's a time to search and a time to quit searching. We're not looking at that verse, but for some of you, you may need to hear that today. This is the one I want to look at. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to keep and a time to throw away. Somebody needs that today. Someone's spouse is shaking their head right now. Like, you need to throw some stuff away. Well, there's time to keep and a time to throw away. And think about this. Every day in our lives, we, we throw things away, right? You throw away things that are older. You throw away technology that's obsolete. You throw away kids' toys when they get older. Some of you, you throw away your kids' artwork when they come home from school because you don't know what to do with it. Like we throw away things all the time that no longer have a function for us. Like think about this, like how many of you still type at home in a typewriter, right? You probably don't. If you have a typewriter in your house, you're probably trying to be a millennial and use it for decoration. That's what I'm gonna say, right? We throw away things that have no value to us. And some of you, listen, this is besides the point. Listen, you got way too much stuff. Your, your garage, your basement, and your attic should not be full of stuff. If you have that much stuff, go, the time to throw away, the time to keep, right? It's time to chuck some of the stuff. But why is it in our life? We throw away stuff all the time, all the time. Why is it when it comes to our stories in our life, when it comes to our past, which is junk at times, which is messes, which is regrets, why do we hold on to it so tightly? It's like we're past the door, but we're just keeping our arm back there. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to live here, but also live over here. But when you're, when you're living in the past and holding on to the garbage of the past, here's reality. You're never going to be able to fully attach to the future God has for us. So there's a tension. And the, the, some of the things in the past are good. But if we live over here, we can't step into the newness that Jesus offers us. And that's what the resurrection is about, is stepping into this new life. So here's what we're going to do. Here's kind of the goal of the series and of today. Today's goal is real easy. To start the journey of letting go. Just to start it. And I know, I, I know it's hard. And I know it's difficult. And I know it doesn't happen quickly. And that's why I said to start. Like some of you today, your step might be this big, but it's a start. And it's a journey, and journey means it, it takes time, it doesn't happen right away, it's going to be a process. But we got to start letting this process, we got to start this process, not because someone's telling you to, but because God has so much more planned for us. My, my, my prayer for all people that, of a church that I lead is that they step into the life that God has for them. That's my, that's my prayer. I don't know what that looks like for everybody, but it, it's not that they live in, in the past, but it's living in the life that Jesus has for them. So we're going to start this journey of letting go. And when it comes to our past, I always say this, learn from it. Use it as a tool to learn from. Man, I, sometimes I'm glad I made mistakes early on because I learned from it, right? Own it. When you make a mistake, one of the best things you can do is own it, right? That's what repentance is. Again, hey, I'm owning this and I'm running from it. Grow from it. Use it as an opportunity to grow. 
Change from it, but don't live in it. Let it go. Learn from it. It, The past can be a valuable tool. Learn from it. Own it. Grow from it. Change from it. But don't live in it and let it go. So today, here's what we're going to, here's my encouragement. Let's Let's let go of the regrets and the pain. Let's let go of the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness towards someone who hurt us. Let's step out of the old and into the new. And it might take time and it might be a journey, but we're starting that today. And here's what we're going to do. It's going to be fun. We're going to look at a man named Peter. Everybody say Peter. Peter. And Peter is a a disciple of Jesus, one of the most well-known disciples. He's my favorite disciple. I I can't wait to meet him someday. I want to meet Peter because he was awesome. But Peter's life is a lot like our life. And actually, if you look at his progression of faith in his life, I think so many of our stories are found in his story. And yes, he walked on water. And yes, he, he... preached the message of Jesus. Yes, he baptized people. But before that, he had mistakes and regret and he had a past. So we're going to look at Peter's life from the first time we really see him and look at what we see from his life and how it relates to us. And it starts in Matthew. When we first find Peter, Peter's a fisherman. He's just fishing. He's an ordinary guy living ordinary life, just like you and I, like, hey, our ordinary life. He hasn't had this moment where Jesus intervenes, so maybe that's where you are yet. He hasn't followed Jesus yet. He's just living life. And then Jesus comes into the scene and says this, Jesus called out to them, come and follow me. And I love this part because it's a reminder, if Peter was an ordinary man that was called, all of us are called, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you're going through, all of us are called to follow Jesus. So Peter's called to follow Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I'll show you how to fish for people. You're fishing for fish. I'll show you how to make a bigger impact than you could ever imagine. And it says this, and they left their nets. That phrase is so important. Sometimes when we're reading the Bible, you you see all the verses, but sometimes you just need to hone in on a couple words, like this right here, left their nets. He left his entire livelihood. It was everything. He left his boat, his family, and his nets, his moneymaker, and at once follow Jesus. So right away you see Peter is in. He, he's starting to find Jesus and now he's gonna start living like him. And so we, we get to see that he follows Jesus and he follows Jesus for a while. And then we get to chapter 16 in Matthew. So 12 chapters later and Jesus is with his disciples and he's asking him, who do people say I am? And Peter, the loud mouth of the group, he chimes up and says this. Well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is the aha moment. He's like, I realize who you are. You're the Messiah. You are like no one else ever. You're the one that God has promised us. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. He's like, you're exactly right. You've seen it. God has opened your eyes. And I will tell you that you are Peter. He was a fisherman. But in this moment, In this moment, right here, this is one of the first signs we see his entire life is going to be changed. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, I'm going to build something on you and through you. I'm going to do something in your future that you cannot even imagine right now. That's awesome. Imagine being Peter. And so Peter gets this news, and then we kind of learn more about Peter's life. There's a moment where he walks on water in the middle of a storm. There's moments where we see him doing other amazing things. We see him doing things with with Jesus. We see uh, Jesus teaching. But then we get to a moment we just came out of. We get to the Last Supper. At the Last Supper where, where Jesus is betrayed. And Jesus tells Peter, hey, listen, Peter, you're gonna deny me. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, 
you will deny me. And Peter's like, I would never deny you. I would never do it. I will, I will rather die than deny you. Jesus, I will never, ever turn my back on you. Even in the face of death, no matter what happens, I am not denying you. Well, Jesus gets arrested, and then there's my favorite Peter moment. He cuts a man's ear off. Like, I love that. We all need someone in our group who's a little unsteady at times. Like, he's ready to fight for us, right? That's Peter. He cuts a man's ear off. Jesus heals him. And then... In just a matter of a couple hours, after Jesus said, Peter will deny me, he's not standing in the face of death, he's standing in the face of a little girl. And this is what happens. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Imagine how awkward that would be, first of all. Like, you had a random fire, and this little girl's just staring at you. Like, that's weird, right? And finally she said, hey, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But what did Peter do? He denied it. He's like, woman, I love that, woman, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retort, uh, retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said that I love him. He's like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. It goes on to say, after this last time, Jesus looked at him, looked him in the eye and saw him and heard him denying him. What happened to Peter? He went from being a man who said, hey, I will stand in the face of death, who couldn't even stand in the face of a woman and another man and another stranger. Hours after he said, I would rather die for you than deny you. Not once, not twice, three times. And this is the moment called the I blew it moment. See, we start like Peter, we start following Jesus. We even grow in our faith. And sometimes there's, there's not perfect, it's not a perfect progress, but eventually we'll make a mistake. That mistake and what we do from those mistakes are really big. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had an I blew it moment? Anybody? Like, I just blew it. Like, I just messed up. Anybody? Right? Not very many people, man. We got a lot of good people in this church, man. I don't know if I need to talk about this, right? But I, I thought I was thinking about my, I started thinking about my life. I'm like, man, and I was like, what story should I tell? And Whitney probably gave me a list of like 20 stories. Like, no, those aren't good enough, right? I don't want to, I don't want, that's too personal. I don't want to share that, right? Not yet, right? We got to date each other a little longer than that, right? We'll get to know each other. But then I came up with a story from my childhood. It's actually the one, it was not a big deal to me still, but to my parents, it's like their least favorite memory of me. Like, so I was like, I gotta share that. It happened when I was in eighth, seventh or eighth grade and uh, we didn't have very much money growing up so we would go on family vacations. Ironically, I never thought I would live so close where we went. We went to Indiana Beach, right? Like I, I don't know how I ended up living next to, close to Indiana Beach but we used to go all the time and uh, we, we didn't live in Indiana so like that's, it was rare. Uh, we came, this was like the far vacation we could afford and we would camp. Now, I said camp. Listen, I didn't say glamp. I said camp, right? We didn't have a camper. We didn't have an RV. We didn't rent a cabin. We had one of those old, you know, the tents, like the big old tents. And like, it'd be so hot, 95 degrees out. Like, you'd be just, you'd be no shirt on. Your back would be sticking to the back of the tent. Like, it's that hot. You know, it's hot. It's nasty. And we got there. It was a couple hours from where we lived. I got, we got there. First night went well. No one fought, right? You know, that's, that's kind of the story of family vacations. First day goes well. All changed at night too because of me. I, I take blame for it. And I'm not ashamed of it. I take blame for it to this day. We, went, we started going to bed. And I went to brush my teeth and I could not find my toothbrush. 
I know, right? Stick with me. Couldn't find it. The only thing was, I just brushed my teeth the, that morning and the night before with the to- my toothbrush. So I wanted to know where my toothbrush was, right? Seventh grade, eighth grade, like that's a big deal. Like I didn't have smartphones, so like that's all we could do. Like I want to know where my toothbrush is. And none of, no one in my family said they took it. I'm like, okay, unless a raccoon came in here in the middle of the night and took the toothbrush, one of you fools took my toothbrush. Like, it's not that hard. Where's my toothbrush? And they didn't have it. And we, we, I, just, and I can't let things go sometimes, so I just kept going. Where's my toothbrush? Where's my toothbrush? Where's my toothbrush? And they, no, it, was, it wasn't going well. No one was saying they found it. So I just had to do, you know, the old camping trip, put toothpaste on your, a toothpaste on your finger, brush your teeth, and go to bed. Well, I woke up the next day, you know, one, the first thing I said, hey, where's my toothbrush? Still couldn't find it. Went over to Indiana Beach, you know, the more than corn in Indiana thing. We did that. Saw that little weird bird. It was fun. Rode corn ball or whatever that's called. Hurricane. Rode all those rides. Got back that night. Where's my toothbrush? Still couldn't find it. No one's, no one's owning up to it. In my mind, one of them stole it and did something to it and lost it. That's what I'm thinking here, right? So at that time, that was day two, day three, like I lost it. Like I, I couldn't let it go. I just started like, where's my toothbrush all day and next day. Every ride we're saying, hey, where's my toothbrush? Every line, where's my toothbrush? Every meal, where's my toothbrush? Where's my toothbrush? I know, what do you have? My toothbrush. So much so, who my, my stepdad who does not talk got so mad at me. You know what we had to do? We left early. I was like, hey, y'all welcome. Cause it's hot in that tent anyways, right? And we went home and I go to the bathroom and I go to the, my bathroom, and what do I see on the sink? I see my toothbrush. Now we got two problems. Whose toothbrush had I been using? And how am I going to own this? Because I had blown it, man. They, this is, they were so, my stepdad, I think he's still mad at me to this day, right? If he's watching, he's still mad. And they don't know this part of the story, so hopefully they don't watch. I'm coming clean. I don't regret it either, okay? Because he was scary, right? I took that toothbrush. We had this scary basement right next to our bathroom. And I, I opened that door, looked in the basement. I was like, no one ever goes down there. And I chucked that toothbrush in the basement, right? I ruined family vacation that we never got to go on because of a toothbrush that I never brought with me to begin with, right? And I mean, I was like, how dumb is that? I still would do it. If you steal my toothbrush, we're still gonna have problems, right? I just think about my life. I, I have so many other mistakes and maybe you do too. And as we think about regrets and, and I blew it moments, Man, it may have happened in the past, but it continues to speak to us. And so what happens so many times, and I talk to people who have these moments where they, they blow it. We all do. Like, none of us in this room are perfect. We don't have a perfect batting average. We all blow it. And so many times, like, it, it still speaks to me. And I, I can't move past it because I'm just still speaking to me. And what Satan loves to do, and he loves to use your past against you. He loves to say, man, if the people next to you knew what you did Monday through Saturday, there's no way they would let you in the door. If they knew what you did in your past, there's no way anybody would want to talk to you. You are unlovable. You're unforgivable. You're unchangeable. You are who you are, and that's who you'll always be. And because of your past, you have no future. And the saddest thing is so many times we buy into this. So many times we buy into that. But Jesus has something else planned. And I think that night, Peter must have felt this. After he looked at Jesus in the eye, after he denied Jesus, one of his best friends, after Jesus heard him denying him, you know what he did? He ran back to his old life because sometimes your past doesn't stay in your past. And sometimes when you leave the door open, you may do the same things you've always done. When you've met Peter, what was he? A fisherman. After the resurrection of Jesus, 
what was he again? A fisherman. So he's fishing with some of the disciples. They went back to their ordinary life. They, they've given up hope. They've deserted Jesus. Jesus was dead. They had other encounters with Jesus, but this was it. And they're fishing. They're not catching any fish. And there's some guy on the beach. And he's saying, hey, fish on the other side. And when you're fishing and you're not catching fish, the last thing you wanted someone to do is come up to you and say, hey, have you tried fishing this way? No, bro. I'm doing this for fun, not catching anything. Yes, I've tried everything. But the guy's insisting, cast your nets to the other side. They do. They catch about 153 fish. And then they realize who it was. They realize it was Jesus. You know what Peter does? He hops out of that boat and he starts swimming faster than Michael Phelps. He's swimming to that beach as fast as he can. And all the disciples follow him and on the beach, they start eating breakfast. Imagine that, eating breakfast on the beach with Jesus. That's an awesome scene. But I can't get over this idea, like, if I'm eating fish on the beach, how are they not getting sand in their fish? Like, you know, like, I don't want to eat anything on the beach. But they're eating on the beach with Jesus. That's awesome. And then they have this encounter, Peter and Jesus. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. You got to know this right here. Simon, son of John. This is his full name. You know when you got in trouble growing up? Like if my mom just said, hey, Nathan, I knew I wasn't that big of trouble. But when she said Nathan Mark Pelahowski, like if you're going to add the Pelahowski to it, that's a long last name. If you're going to add the Pelahowski to it, I know I'm in trouble. So Simon, son of John, what does he say? How, how could you? How dare you? Like, man, you're supposed to be one of my boys. Like you, you're going to stand up to a soldier, but you can't even stand up to a little girl. You're going to deny me? He doesn't say any of that. This is what he says. He says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than anything in this life? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And we'll see what happens next. And Jesus repeated the question two times. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you, right? You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked that question a third time. A better translation was, Peter was embarrassed that Jesus asked that question a third time. Peter's probably thinking, you know, like how Forrest Gump says, like, I'm not a real smart man, Jenny, but I do know what love is. Like, Peter's like, I'm not a real smart man, but I know what you're doing here. And he's embarrassed. He's hurt because he knows he denied Jesus three times. Jesus asking the, uh, the opposite question three times. Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know what I've done. You know where I've been. You know what I said. You know that, how I denied you. But you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And this is such a pivotal moment. And though it's not our moment, we get to glance into it. And the reason we get to glance into it is because God is trying to show us, Jesus is trying to show us what it, he does for each and every one of us. Jesus on that beach right here, having breakfast with Peter, restored Peter for every sin that he had. Every time he denied him, he gave him opportunity to say, I love you. But Jesus also knew, I believe this to be true, he also knew that for Peter to get out of the past and to move forward, he had to learn to move forward. And Jesus is giving him permission to say, Peter, 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 I know what you've done and I know you're sorry. 
You have to move forward. Why are you back here fishing? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you I was going to build my church on you and now you're fishing? Peter, I know you hear the whispers in your head, but I'm not done with you. When I told you I was going to build my church on you, I meant it. Peter, do you not think I knew you would deny me? I told you you would deny me, Peter. I'm not done with you, though. Peter, stop living in darkness when what I did on Sunday brings you into this new day. On Friday and Saturday, living this Sunday. Why are you living in Friday and Saturday? Why are you living in darkness? I'm not done with you. Translate this to our life. Connect it. We may eliminate ourselves because of our past, but Jesus never has. We may see our past. We may see our failures. We may have the regrets. We may see our shortcomings. And we say, hey, that eliminates me. I can't be used. I, I, I just can't. I can't do anything. I can't move forward. I can't go to church. I can't follow Jesus. I can't do anything that he wants me to do because of my past. And Jesus said, listen, who told you that? I never did. And here's what we got to get to this point because this is what Peter is getting at. He's like, I, I need you to understand this, Peter. And sometimes in life, we need someone to come beside us. Because we all have junk. We all have stuff. We need someone to come beside us and say, listen, that was really dumb. Sometimes we need that. Like, hey, that was dumb, right? You need those people in your life. Or, hey, that mistake you made, I've, I've known you. That's not you. Or, you know, those, those things you did, that might have been who you are. But that's not the person I know anymore. See, sometimes we need someone to come alongside of us and say, hey, that's not who you are. That's what Jesus is doing for Peter. That's what he does for us. What he's saying to Peter, what he's saying to us is like, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. There's a little idea because of what happened on the cross that grace is greater. Greater than what? Greater than my past, greater than my shame, greater than my pain, greater than my regrets. The amazing thing about grace is you and I did, did nothing to deserve it. It's all the work of what Jesus did. And, and so what's amazing about it is Jesus said, listen, because of my grace, because of what you've, I've done for you, your past doesn't define you. And how do I know this? Because of what Romans says. It says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And understanding, understanding the grace that we are offered through Jesus allows us to step out of the future and into the life that Jesus has for us. Because understanding grace means this. We understand that we have sin. We understand that we've fallen short. We understand we can't save ourselves. We understand we have a checkered past. We understand our life is messy. And we understand we can't fix it, but he can. And understanding this grace that we're offered through Jesus, grace alone, right, is offered through Jesus, is what opens the door to step into the future. So what does this mean for you and I? It means you have to make the decision to shut the door of your past and a step in the door that Jesus opens for us. You have this opportunity through Jesus to put your faith in Jesus, to put your hope in Jesus, to run from your past life, your past sins, all these things, run from them and run through the door that Jesus has for us. And while we're doing that, we're closing the door of our past. See, Peter's life is pretty amazing after this point. Later on that, that same conversation, Peter says, hey, listen, uh, Jesus says, hey, listen, Peter, you're actually gonna be killed for your faith. And I know that sounds scary, but listen, you're gonna make such an impact for my kingdom, that the Romans are going to see you. They're going to have to kill you because you are spreading the gospel. You're spreading my message. You're going to die for your faith. The book of Acts says that Peter preached a sermon. The guy who denied Jesus three times preached a sermon, baptized thousands of people, and he healed the sick. Peter did amazing things. 
but he had to close the door to the past so he was no longer haunted by the past. He had to close the door to the past so he was no longer haunted by the past. So what do we do today? It's, it starts with this. There's not like one, like, I'm gonna go home and no longer be my past. Like, there's not this one step. But I think it starts by telling ourselves a different story. You're preaching yourself a different story. Your past preaches one story and our future and who we are now has to preach a different story. But we have to preach our, this new story because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of grace, we have to realize I have a new identity. Those mistakes and the, the person I was before Jesus and the things I've done, that's not who I am. I have a new purpose. I'm not living for myself. I'm not just being a fisherman. I'm not just doing this. I'm living to build the kingdom of God. That God has a purpose for my life and it's not to live in the past. And I have a new future. A new future hope, a new future promise, and a new future ahead of me. So here's what we do as we preach this to ourselves. We live in this new identity. We live in our new purpose. And we step into our new future. So here's what I encourage you to do. You gotta preach, your, you gotta preach this to yourself. If you got a phone, take it out. Put these three lines on that phone. If you're old school, you like sticky notes, take a sticky note. Put it on your dashboard. Put it in your car somewhere. Put it on your door frame. And as you live life this week, because we're preaching ourselves a new story, because my past is not fatal. My failures are not fatal. I have a new identity. I have a new purpose. And I have a new future through Jesus. Because that's who I am and that's who you are. We're not going to live in our past. We're not going to... We're going to learn from it. We're going to grow from it. We're not going to be trapped there. We're going to walk through that door. We're going to close it because I have a new identity, a new purpose, and a new future because of what Jesus has done for me. And how I know that? Because there was a man named Peter who denied Jesus three times but had breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not done with you yet. And he says the same thing to you and me. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful, so, so thankful for the future. Father, we're even thankful for the past because we get to learn from it, we get to grow from it. And it reminds us how much we need you. God, and I thank you for the stories here. And I'm praying for the futures here. The closing the door of the past and the start of the journey of letting go, it's all possible because of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for dying for me and each, each and every one of us. We thank you, we thank you. And we pray we live in your hope each and every day. In your name we pray, amen. Please stand.